Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Wow, you may have just heard a uh, part of a song. A man, you may have just heard a man. A gentleman singer. <laughs> Not entirely unlike a gentleman caller if he calls and then starts singing. Great. Thank you. Um, wow, that what you just heard is a uh, part of this week's song for the Zeppo, arranged, produced, and performed by Chris Farron, Woo! Uh, who graciously uh, took the song that we wrote and Xandered it up, if you will. Yeah, it's so great. We're he did so, such an amazing job. We couldn't wait until the end of the episode to share a little bit with you. Yes. In addition to Chris Farron arranging, producing, and performing this week's song for the Zeppo, we have a guest this week, Andrew T., host of the podcast Yo, Is This Racist?, who uh, joined us to talk about Xander, to talk about the Zeppo. We had a great time, and this is what I love about this episode. There's a lot of patriarchal conversation to be had. Sure. Uh, in the world and in this episode, in you know, in many ways. Totally. And what I find to be wonderful is that what we did was we brought in two men who are fighting the fight alongside us for equal representation, for equal rights, and so on and so forth. And I just think it's so important and so rad. So cool, Jenny, that you and I have uh, some friends who are wonderful and are doing incredible things out there in the world, yeah. but just really fun to pull in these two voices in particular uh, because they are men who are fighting the good fight. Two dudes, one cast. <laughs> wow. On that note, friendly reminder, if your stocking didn't get stuffed with the Smash the Demon Lizard patriarchy gear you were so hoping for this <laughs> holiday season, we want you to know it's still available. In our store, just go to BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com, click on shop, and you will find shirts, baby onesies, CDs, pins, <laughs> other things. Not hoodies right now. Actually, that hoodies I want to put an addendum to your wonderful delivery, which mm. is that most of the things you would like are in the store, but the holidays did happen. So we are out of stock, but anything that is out of stock is coming back into stock in the next few weeks. So stay tuned. So keep your eyes peeled. Keep your yeah. eyes peeled. Also, it is- Where did that idiom come from? I don't know, and okay. I don't want to. Okay. It is January. It is 2018, and we have a new organization to give our money to. If you listen to the podcast, you know that every month, Jenny and I handwrite five custom lyric sheets. We sell them for $100 a piece, and the entirety of those proceeds go to a different organization bringing equality, bringing change, bringing justice to the world. And we have a really exciting organization for this month. If you were on social media at all yesterday or two days ago, whenever the start of the new year was, you may already know about an organization called Time's Up. 
Many women in Hollywood have come together to create. Uh, they wrote a very moving and powerful open letter, which you can read on the website timesupnow.com. But essentially, a lot of them came together to use their platform, to use their power to amplify the call to action and to also amplify the vo many voices of women who are in different industries who don't have that access. Uh, and it all came together. I'm going to read a little bit on their website. Okay, Time's Up is a unified call for change from women in entertainment for women everywhere, from movie sets to farm fields to boardrooms alike. We envision nationwide leadership that reflects the world in which we live. Our donation to Time's Up and anyone's donation to Time's Up goes to support the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund, which will provide subsidized legal support to women and men who have experienced sexual harassment, assault, or abuse in the workplace and while in pursuit of their careers. So this is incredible for so many reasons. I mean, we know 2017 sparked a huge conversation, the Me Too movement. There has been so much conversation around um, women, around sexual harassment in the workplace specifically, but also just at large. And this is so important. And we could not think of a better way to start off the year than by raising funds to help Time's Up. I just want to say one other thing. In the open letter, which you should read the entirety of, but in the open letter, there's a, a portion where they say, we call for a significant increase of women in positions of leadership and power across all industries. In addition, we seek equal representation, opportunities, benefits, and pay for all women workers, not to mention greater representation of women of color, immigrant women, and lesbian, bisexual, and transgender women whose experiences in the workforce are often significantly worse than their white, cisgender, straight peers. I just want to shout that out because... You know, there are many organizations doing incredible work, but being a woman and fighting for equality doesn't necessarily mean that you are aware of the intersectionality involved in these conversations. And I thought it was really moving and very powerful that in that open letter, they made it very clear that they were aware of the inequity within uh, being a woman. You know, that being a woman doesn't mean the same thing for everyone, mm. that there are other identities that come into play. So thumbs up, like four thumbs up from yeah. Jenny and Kristen. Oh, yeah. Two each. We each have two thumbs. And, Not that uh, it's any of your business. <laughs> and uh, if you go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash greater good, it will redirect you to the place where you can purchase a lyric sheet the month of January, all of those donations going to Time's Up. And you can read more about it at timesupnow.com. And now on to the episode. The Zepisode. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And this week we're talking about season three, episode 13, The Zeppo. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by us, recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. The Zeppo was written by Dan Weber and directed by James Whitmore Jr. And it originally aired on January 26th, 1999. This is the one where Xander experience. I mean, I could just stop there. This, this is, is the one, one where, where Xander. Xander. <laughs> Xander experiences an adventure of his own when he encounters a group of reanimated corpses out to construct a bomb. Meanwhile, Buffy and her friends battle the forces of evil when the Hellmouth reopens. So we have somebody with us today by the name of Andrew T. What's up? <laughs> 
Andrew, uh, Too Andrew much. is among, among others. <laughs> yeah, speaking of men. Yeah, Too speaking. <laughs> we need it. I mean, we couldn't talk about this ever without at least having a man in the room. Oh God, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> that seems wrong, but but I, I guess I understand the impulse. But I feel like there's, I don't know. There's not much there to unpack. You got it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just You're here, dismissed. I'm just here. I'm just here to be as thirsty as hell and try to be one of the good ones when I leave the show. <laughs> so that's all. It's if if I'm saying something smart, it's because I'm desperately spinning. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is we all got to watch the episode together. Yeah. And had a good time. We actually had like a mini podcast that went untaped before we started watching where we had some really good discussions. But we sort of tapped you into the to the conversation a little bit, and I, I just like I I like hearing many perspectives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you have you know a lot of different things that you do in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I'm sure we've mentioned this already at the top, but you host a podcast called Yo Is This Racist? Correct. You're having uh, meaningful, impactful conversations all the time. So this is just Ooh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> no, no, I'm laying on. Oh, I'm overlaying. I know head. it's like one of those things. It's hard to describe your own conversations as meaningful. <laughs> just like I don't fucking know. Yeah, it seems fine. That's why I'm here too. Yeah, thank you, thank to you, call thank you. Call them meaningful. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, we were just talking upstairs about our journey with Xander because this mm-hmm. is—I mean, it's a pivotal episode for Xander. There's, mm-hmm. there's no—I don't think anybody can argue with that. No, no, no. Uh, but we've, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about how it's been to, for many people, have watched the series in the '90s, mm-hmm. being like, "Oh, Xander, I love Xander," mm-hmm. and then coming, he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. That's fine. He's acceptable. And uh, and then coming back to it now after having met, you know, learned and mm-hmm. become more aware of the way systems work in the world mm-hmm. and realizing, oh. Actually, this character is pretty problematic in several ways. Yeah. Well, right. It, it is like this thing where you maybe could argue about whether the character is problematic. Because mm. maybe you're like, you need this person. And most of the time, it's clear he's a punchline. I, I got to admit, I was a little reminded, like, especially in the in the uh, first act of the Zeppo. I was like, oh, they're a lot more explicit with like how useless he is than I remember. Yeah. Like I, I, I didn't think so often that they just straight up said like, yo, you suck. Well, like, that's like this episode is that. Yeah. You yeah. know, like they're really hammering it home. They haven't up to this point in the chronology of the show been like, this guy's useless. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. Cordelia says that about everybody. Right. 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 <laughs> and we see him get sort of like, pummeled more than other people mm-hmm. uh and obviously he, he doesn't have any powers and will mm-hmm. is starting to make spells and buffy has been the slayer this whole time and giles does magic and faith is a slayer and angels a vampire but nobody has really uh put all of these nails into xander's coffin all at once yeah uh, mm-hmm. before this episode okay yeah this this episode is definitely like turning that corner hard and it it i mean i think i i feel conflicted about conversation around this episode because I I like I want to talk about all of the troublesome things that we've like seen from Xander and like what does it all mean and and that there's like weird shit that happens in this episode too that uh, we'll talk about <laughs> but if, <laughs> but I also think that like part of the purpose of the episode was to like give credit or kudos to like the everyman like the guy the guy without the powers who's like doing his best to to you know make things go and make things mm-hmm. roll and mm-hmm. make things work or what have you so you know, I have, there's a part of me that appreciates that message, but has a hard time having the conversation around it because also Xander is like a super problematic white mm-hmm. dude. So. But it feels yeah. like the reason it stands out, like the Everyman episode of like a superhero type situation, mm. 
in Buffy the Vampire Slayer is because obviously this is a show that plays a lot with gender and like mm-hmm. heroism and strength. You know, obviously Buffy's strength is is you know not proportional to her size or something like there's mm. magic to it or yeah. there's something wherein like they even mention it in the episode that he's Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. Um, right. But the thing is in Superman comics Jimmy Olsen has sort of this everyman heroism because he's striving to be Superman. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of like that very direct obvious thing and the power dynamics are very straightforward. So it doesn't feel gross when Jimmy Olsen, whatever the fuck he does, like tosses the kryptonite into the ocean or whatever. Like, you know, he did a thing and it's like, cool, good. We can all find strength in our heart no matter who we are and what our abilities are to do something brave. But with fucking Xander, it's like (laughs) a little bit like, well, yeah, but this is like, a show so much about the exceptions, you know, Mm. not the exceptions of life or the world, but the exceptions of the way superheroes or powerful people are portrayed. That's why I'm just like most of the episodes where it's like, yeah, he's, you know, some almost version of damsel in distress or like the squarest people are like the damsels in distress. And then everyone. So like it's like an episode like the Zeppo where you're like, well... I don't that part of it isn't to me it's, it's not inspiring. Like it's not inspiring to see him be brave. Yeah, it was odd to like when I was reading about this episode and reading about like, you know, Joss's thoughts in the creation of this um kind of like flipping everything on its head and how it was like, well, the underdog and like seeing the underdog, seeing the, the you know, the person that we don't see, um, like he likes those kind of heroes. I had that moment of like, well, but isn't that the whole like that's the whole point of the show of Buffy mm-hmm. is, is right, like right. that like that's where we started. So why are we? You've already flipped the trope. And right. Now why yeah. we're, we're you doing another back flip? over again? Yeah. It's just yeah. I mean, like yeah. I I don't know. Like Buffy having the powers that she has mm-hmm. as a woman, and you know, like I feel like we did that. So it's interesting. Yeah. It's it's the other thing. Like I've tried to be. I and I have become much more cognizant of since you know I watched these episodes the show as like a teenager these shows like written and directed by white dudes by like by and large Mm -hmm. and so you know this is probably the first episode i've watched of buffy the vampire slayer realizing that and thinking about it Mm -hmm. and probably even knowing who joss whedon is honestly like i just don't think when i was a teenager i knew shit like that yeah but like i don't know um and it it makes you then have to re-question every part of the agenda like we're all learning how to do or like some of us are have been always good at it but like i don't know uh, yeah 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 there's a, there's a lot well let's <laughs> let's, let's dive in to, yeah. to the to the beginning of the episode i mean we already touched uh on a lot of things yes Jen, i i just want to say so strong right out of the gate with the previously on previously on buffer the, <laughs> the vampire slayer you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> That's the entire previously on. The entire previously That's on not it. enough information. <laughs> no. Related no. to like that really is... nothing that happens. Well, Giles is like, I can't get any info from yeah, my sources. But... They've dried up since I was fired from the council last <laughs> like, week. Normally, you know what I mean? Normally the previously on is connected to like a, the large theme. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, it is co- fascinating that they're like, that's all they need. Yeah. <laughs> they're good. <laughs> well, they got, it is a it. totally standalone episode. Like the only thing other than like Buffy is the Slayer and Faith is also like other than like core character concepts. Yeah. The only 
piece of information that's not standalone really is that Giles can't get information because of the... Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess because of the structure of the episode, it needs to almost play as a... Everyone besides Xander has to play as a parody of themselves. Yes. So it's just hyped to a million percent. And and so who cares? I love that about this episode. Right. It's structurally like really cool. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's a fun way to do that. And fun to like see them laugh at themselves. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like be able to say, you know, oh, Angel is like mildly, mildly as putting it mildly dramatic (laughs) angel's mildly dramatic in the rest of the series so let's ramp that up for this episode and and it was some pretty good yeah i don't want to spoil it but uh, there's some (laughs) good there's some good ass filmmaking in multiple parts of this very insane very dramatic (laughs) oh the other thing i and i'll just say it i don't know if we want to include this but i feel like one of the things that uh we talked about beforehand was like the kind of different reactions that fans of your podcast had been having to the reaction of Xander. And so I don't know if this is the time to bring in the meta conversation. But to me, I feel like it'd be nice to have that all around any subsequent conversation. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you showed me some conversations that had happened on the on uh, on your Facebook page, just about discomfort with the way you talk about Xander generally on this podcast. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a little bit, I mean, the first thing that jumped to my mind is just, uh, on Yo, Is This Racist, I often get, almost always, they're white people sort of, like, writing in to complain about how I talk about power structures and stuff, and it is a little bit like, then why do you listen to my show, dude? Like, it's always a dude, and it really is, I'm just like, dude, what do you want? Like, what do you want out of this conversation? It is, like, truly fascinating. So... Uh, I have my own reaction to that. I'm not saying you should write off any of your fans, obviously. But no, there is a part that it's like, I'm like, what What do they want out of this? Yeah, and there's like part of me, because I think that reacting to it like that, like, you know, why are you, like, these are my opinions. I'm mm-hmm. putting them here. They're here for you if you'd like them. And if you don't, then mm-hmm. lucky for you, you're not being forced to listen. But there's something more about some of the ways that the conversation has been happening around Xander, where I said to Jenny like a few weeks ago, I was thinking about how 10 years ago, if somebody had, if I'd seen somebody say like, fuck white people, I mm-hmm. would have been like, well, I'm not ba-. like, I'm not a bad white person. Mm-hmm. And I-, I didn't have the tools. I hadn't learned um, how to read something like that, how to see something like that or hear something like that and understand that I, the most powerful way to interact with it is to not defend my individual actions, but to take action mm-hmm. <laughs> about the fucked up shit that many fucking white people are doing. And so sometimes I think about the people who write to us and they're like, you know, you, you really bully Xander and, you know, I can't listen to your podcast anymore because of this, that and the other thing. And I'm upset mm-hmm. for the reasons that you laid out. But then there's a part of me, too, that's like, well, they might not have because a lot because a lot of the people who write to us are white men. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they don't have as many of the tools yet at their disposal to not feel that as a personal attack. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is where this is a, a modification of something I've been saying on my podcast Um which is, and this is to the straight dudes out there. I'm not a white guy, but listen, just, it's fine. Um, <laughs> which is, you have an option when someone says something like, fuck men, or like, fuck white people, or like, fuck straight people, or whatever, and you are one of those things, and you you feel like, I'm not like that. Here's Here's the thing. You have two options. You can say, <laughs> I'm not like that, and like, whine about it, or... Trust me on this. It is a million times cooler to just be like, yeah, I get it. 
Be one of the cool ones. <laughs> right? It's so easy to be one of the cool ones. If you're a, a straight dude, straight white dude, whatever, listening to this podcast, and you strongly identify with Xander, but even Xander would recognize the bad parts about himself. Um, when when uh, when anyone talks shit about Xander, just be like, yeah, that's cool. I'm cool with that. It's cooler. Trust me. That is <laughs> the advice I have. Yeah. <laughs> You shouldn't have to listen to me, but since I'm here, that's what I'm throwing out. Like, you know, we're human beings. We have a lot of complexities. I think that I think that everyone in this room. I mean, I know that Jenny and I certainly have um, spots in our heart for Xander, and we've talked about mm-hmm. how the fucking patriarchy. There it is. Play mm-hmm. it, Jenny. The patriarchy. <laughs> talked about how the, the patriarchy is a system that affects all all the people yeah. you know that it's affecting and we see it played out in this episode yeah Dear toxic God. masculinity hurts men yes <laughs> it is really like if you can, listen that's the other thing right even if you're just like the most self-serving misogynist piece of shit this hurts you too unfortunately <laughs> like i guess fortunately i don't know if it's yeah. unfortunately or fortunately but like look all this, uh, right, and this is a great episode to uh, uh, to show that, which is like, there's always someone fucking worse than you. <laughs> right. Oh, they're always dragging you in to their terrible masculine bullshit. Oh, so <laughs> yeah. Speaking of masculine bullshit, uh, let's talk about Cordelia. No. <laughs> I do actually want to talk about Cordelia. So I, I would love to jump to the schoolyard scene mm-hmm. where, oh, Jenny. Um, sorry, I just don't want to miss out on these babes were wicked rowdy. Oh, uh, faith, which faith. is what Faith's review of uh, <laughs> the demons from the first scene. And also occasionally I am callous and strange. Which oh, is Will- uh, an evergreen. It was pretty good. Willow Willowism. bringing, just in case you don't uh, haven't watched the episode before listening, Willow uh, quips that she's brought marshmallows to roast as they burn the bodies of these sisters of what are they called? Sisters of G. That sounds right. <laughs> I just wrote Lady Demon Race. Lady mm-hmm. Demons. Uh, right. Did they, right. Was, yeah. it, was it clear that they were Lady Demons? Yeah, at the yeah. Top? They, it they wasn't to. Well, not, oh, yeah, yeah. not at they the very it, first but scene, yeah, but yeah, 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 they do. They do specify later, which yeah. raises some interesting reproductive, like demonic reproductive questions for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, if all the demons are Got ladies, to, yeah. how do they create more yeah. demons? Yeah. Well, I don't think that maybe it's like a vampire, like something akin to vampirism. Maybe mm. where they like. Oh, I was gonna say, look, some kind of. Powerful matriarchal culture, not the worst. Just manifesting. In the world. <laughs> no, not a problem. <laughs> like, I mean, let's, it would probably be fine if the episode turned out a different way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why were these women after opening the wow, Hellmouth? Is the Hellmouth a metaphor for the uh, window to the Earth's womb? And yeah. like, wow. Really, what these demons are trying to bring forth is uh, matriarchy on Earth. Oh yeah, my God. Sort of more of a Gaia thing. <laughs> It's just like us to be talking about the fucking Zeppo and be like, is the Hellmouth the opening to the womb? <laughs> Wait, here, real quick. Here's a here's a question that, about um, the conversation in general. Because um, I do feel like the other thing that I was reminded of watching this episode is that, and I guess I kind of alluded to it a second ago with like saying the squarest or the straightest of the of the gang. It does feel like there's this thing where like Cordelia also 
is the other right is totally the other half of toxic masculinity which is just like this is the exact opposite or not opposite the exact complement to it but yeah right and she's next on the shit list i assume generally you know we generally love her really yeah we have a whole jingle about how much we love cordelia we have a pins that say cordette so we're Mm -hmm. generally speaking Mm -hmm. huge cordelia fans Cordelia has moments, and and this is actually some of what we get called on, is Mm -hmm. that we love Cordelia and we take a lot of issue with Xander. Sometimes we call Cordelia where Mm -hmm. Cordelia needs to be called, but this episode in particular, she is a very bad episode. episode. Mm -hmm. You know, um, recently someone emailed me about um, a different episode in a different relationship, uh, Buffy and Joyce, and I can't remember what episode it was, but they said, you know, um, a lot of, or maybe it was just a series commentary that Joyce's character is not just Joyce, but actually Buffy's view of Joyce. So we're not really seeing just like Joyce neutral. We're seeing her through Buffy's eyes. And I watched this episode thinking about that because I think that a lot of what we see is actually how Xander views these characters, uh, you know, and that's yes. why Cordelia, and this is just my hypothesizing, mm. but, you know, Cordelia is it, the most extreme that we've ever seen her. You know, she doesn't really have any uh, layers at all in this episode. Right, right. She's mm-hmm. only there to uh, to tear Xander down. And there's, there were other little things. There's like mm-hmm. a scene where Buffy and um, Buffy and Willow are walking like through the schoolyard or whatever. And Willow is wearing like pajamas. Like she's wearing like yes. big baggy plaid pants and a sweatshirt. And then Buffy is wearing a buttoned up tweed coat with like a fur collar, which is like, indicative of kind of how they dress but it was really extreme and I just thought Mm -hmm. like is some of this episode made I mean it's made more dramatic for sure their arcs but like you know is it what Xander sees them as right 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 you know like oh Willow my my, like best pal and yeah I don't know I don't know right like kind of an unreliable narrator to this episode yeah which isn't to get Cordelia off the hook because that's what we'll get in trouble for. right oh sure Xander gets thrown under no she's terribly mean she's horrible no excuse for it I was shocked to first I was shocked to learn that Cordelia knew what macrame was and I and I was <laughs> delighted uh morbidly yeah, delighted but macrame your face he'll macrame your face so he'll Cut the skin of your face into tiny, uh, tiny ribbons and then make like bracelets out of them. Yeah. No, do you macrame bracelets? I thought uh, you macrame like, do- well, not doilies, I've only but- ever macrame a bracelet myself. Okay. So I can oh. only speak from personal experience. Have you ever macrame? Isn't that Andrew? like, isn't that like the thing where it's like the cloth cut up and then you weave it with beads and whatnot? Yeah, and that's what I thought. I feel was like, like we had a macrame owl in my house. Wow. Right. So like a, like a, poster sized ish you know like two feet by three feet maybe a little smaller yeah i can picture it a a nice 90s owl that sounds maybe 80s uh also cordelia not only like knows what macrame is but cordelia is the one who gives us the zeppo and I looked up. <laughs> yeah, that's like, a hell of a reference. <laughs> yeah, like, where does this... I mean, did you know before looking up no, like, where this no. reference comes from? So the the best I could find, because when I when you look up the Zeppo, it's really just this episode of Buffy mm-hmm. is the most, you know... I think people use the term the most for the episode. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing that I found that I believe this is pulled from is actually the Marx Brothers. There were four. Yeah. There actually might have been five. But the youngest one, his nickname was Zeppo. Mm-hmm. And he... Mm-hmm 
basically was like the least important one of the of the group, and he uh, left. He didn't do comedy with them after a while. He went. Yeah, off I see did. Cordelia being a huge Marx Brothers. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. So, I mean, what? I think it's where the writers got. Yeah, the what's well, it's like? But, right, yeah. it's like every time the characters talk like a 36 year old comedy or like whatever action <laughs> dramedy writer you're like right <laughs> fucking weird right but it does see the hand inside the puppet yeah yeah but it does at least give us our our arc for this it like sort of is you know and so we get the whole time is Xander's the the quote least important of the group mm-hmm. as dubbed by Cordelia and then this you know the rest hilarity ensues hilarity mm-hmm. ensues um how about that cafeteria b-roll Oh, yeah. Of uh, the sauerkraut and the spaghetti. Oh, yeah. Getting pulled across and dropped into the baked beans. We've actually seen that before. (laughs) They've used the same B-roll in in, what episode? um, I only have eyes for you. So if that felt familiar (laughs) to you like it did to me upon this viewing, that's why. Yes. Uh, We get a a really, I I like the conversation between Oz and Xander in the lunchroom where Xander's like, you know, how are you cool? How do you do that thing you do? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And what I want. I like a straightforward conversation about this. Yeah. Uh, There's like something similar takes up a good chunk of one of Ariel Schrag's graphic novels uh i think from like she has one for each year of high school and i think in her sophomore year she has this like extended thing where she and like all of her friends are talking about like what is cool and how do you have it and Mm. what is it and how do you tell and who makes the decisions and i think it's like pretty interesting to like see high school aged people in real time actually saying that out loud to each other Mm -hmm. in this moment i like i really want oz to look across the table at xander and say you know i really challenged my own relationship to toxic masculinity (laughs) right that would have been done a lot of work to help myself build my confidence not feel defensive it's about 75 too many syllables too many for oz (laughs) um i have a question does trim mean what i think it means oh yeah i was shocked to hear Uh, that in this Xander, Xander said, um, you know, he was like, oh, well, you play the guitar. So that's like first class ticket to Coolsville. But I was playing flugelhorn in eighth grade and not getting any trim. Yeah. What does it mean? I don't know what it means. Uh, vagina. Oh, it just means it's just shorthand for vagina. Yeah, straight up. Wow. But also, is it like, is it shorthand for vagina or is it shorthand for another like word? A vagina. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For, fu- for fucking a vagina. Yeah, but I, I still think it's I still think it's kind of a noun like just but like again anything, right, anything right. with a, anything with a like like trim you would call like a woman you're interested in oh like a piece of trim wow I've never I've never pretty, heard it before pretty yeah this That's, is why I'm here this yeah, is this I've contributed thank you I so contributed. much for exp- I can go us understand men. <laughs> Well, but that also is like that's on the level of the Zeppo as a reference. Like that's something like someone in the forties would say. That's like that's like what you say <laughs> when you're like, trim. yeah, I'm like excited to come back from the Pacific Theater. <laughs> like this is some shit where you're like, oh Jesus, all right. I don't I don't think this kid is saying that, but right. all right, <laughs> fine. Um, you know where I want to go next? Mm. Oz, uh, go locks himself in the cage because he's about to wolf out. Oz. Wolf's out. Yeah. Oz howls. It's the first time we've seen a werewolf howl. I didn't need it. And then <laughs> we cut to Buffy and Willow outside where the sun is still up. Yeah. It is still very bright outside. And yet. And yet. Oz has transformed into a werewolf. 
I, I don't think they really cared very much about time in this episode because like they also set that bomb at the end for 60 minutes and for sure like seven minutes have passed and it's like 10, nine, <laughs> even Even within the scene, it's each, I don't know, this is what's wrong with my brain, like because it, it beeps for each second and it for sure beeped like <laughs> t- like seven seconds too much. <laughs> Like, like it beeps, it shows it's like at 17 or 18, it beeps like 10 times and it cuts into a close up and it's on 12. And I was like, no, 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 I counted. It should be on four. Like, this is wrong. That's actually, that's, I feel like that's a high, that's a skill. That's it was, wrong we, no, it was brain. something bad. I was like, oh, the fact that I noticed that is not good. Uh, so I think that, I think that the next big thing that happens is Xander rolls up in this car. Yes, it's his mm-hmm. thing. Yes, is, is this, this a, is this a penis reference? Buffy just <laughs> hits right over the head. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the patriarchy. And like the answer is of course like no and yes. Yes, exactly. I like that car a lot. Yeah. I'm coming out strongly in favor. You you, really? you coveted cars as yeah. a teen, right? I uh, inexplicably was really drawn to Lamborghinis as a small child. Um, Do you think that's that, cool? Not to like, is it cool? I did. I think it's cool. <laughs> did you like cars as a kid? No, but for some reason, I think Lamborghinis hold up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like everything that's sort of like in that class to me that's not mm. a Porsche feels like trying although there's something particularly like mystical or something about a lamborghini they seem like the most like a spaceship maybe well they look crazy they're the most wildly impractical like you can't even like (laughs) pretend (laughs) that this is like a fucking normal thing are lamborghinis do the doors go up like they they open up (laughs) they don't have to but But they can but they should if i'm thinking about if you're doing it right if you're lamborghinian correctly yeah your doors go up jenny do you think just to like pull it all around (laughs) do you think uh, that your obsession with like wanting a lamborghini was tied to uh gender do you think that like the part of you that was like drawn to the masculine was like this is a way that I could express that. Well, I think the the only reason I knew what a Lamborghini was is because I had like micro machines, uh, and one of them was a Lamborghini, and that mm. was my favorite. So like mm. I think I like the path was masculine, even if the destination wasn't like consciously or even subconsciously masculine. Right. You know, it's like mean? I only had My Little Ponies, so I could never even get to Lamborghini. You can't get to Lamborghini. Well, you don't need a Lamborghini if you have a fucking magical pony. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> True. Sure. They go the same speed. <laughs> yeah. Real fast. Real fast. <laughs> Speaking of like gender and cars, mm-hmm. I think what happens with, does she even have a name? The girl? The I'm car I'm going to say she's car girl. Car girl. Yeah. Uh, that's This is like a whole thing. Yeah. I made a note about, I was like, that, that character really highlights that like this episode was written by a bunch of dudes. <laughs> Yeah. This is is ridiculous. Because it was, I mean, it's just, it's really taking it and turning it directly and like taking what we normally see and turning it directly inside out and being like, look, here's a woman. She, of course, only needs one dimension. Yeah. That to me was more the thing. I was like, this is, she's like the most prop. The most prop. Like, it was like, this is like truly sad. Like, it's just like, this is. I feel bad that that woman had to go to that job. Like, yeah. it's like a bummer. <laughs> right. She, an interview with her where we're like, so tell us more about your character. Yeah. Uh, like, well, I do like cars. Yeah. And a lot of people who look like me don't like cars. So, <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> 
But that's and you know what? And I'm I don't know. I did the sexist woman voice, and really, it actually is the fucking writer that came up with that dumbass line of reasoning. So right, bad on me. Yeah, do your writer voice next yeah. time, please. I know. Uh, so I'm gonna go off format. I just need to talk about faith before we like even go forward. You know how we talked at the beginning about our Xander feelings and like, yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things in this episode that go against each other. But the biggest one for me is that I feel like we're we're supposed to see Xander painted as like the everyman, and we're supposed to understand him and and you know sympathize with him or empathize with him, and it's done for the most part in this way that's like in direct opposition to toxic masculinity. You know, he's like in the car with a bunch of dudes who were like, bleh, bleh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, Oh man, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but then the, the thing that pivots, like the thing that happens right before Xander pivots in this episode is that he yeah. loses his virginity, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And I know a yeah. lot of you all out there have feelings about this in many different ways, but I just at least want to put that lens over this to say, Hmm. Can I just say really quickly that I I want to I truly believe that if I had sexual romantic relations mm-hmm. with Faithful Hayne, I think I would be changed for the better <laughs> immediately. <laughs> it's and I don't know but that doesn't make it okay in the context of this episode. I just feel like it goes I feel like in one breath the episode goes out of its way to sort of say like, you know, a man can be many things, you know, like a man yeah. doesn't have to be this thing and then it's like but also a man can only be a man <laughs> when they've lost right. their virginity. Right. Right. You know? It's such a weird character moment too cuz it's so I mean, it's played as so passive on his part. Right. And then to have so much of the subsequent episode turn on that is I think bad writing. I, don't know. I mean bad bad story cuz there's just nothing there. He just did it. he was there for a thing. Can I back up a little bit? Yeah, of course. And I can... feel like oh sorry, just just back up a little bit in that scene which is that and I don't know if this is a joke you guys have made on the show before, but it wasn't until he hit um the uh demon with the car with almost no emotion that I was like, "Oh, these these are child soldiers. Uh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is like some Mugabe shit. And all of a sudden I was like, this is, I mean, of course it's dark, but it is really like, you know, Giles is a war criminal. Like that's <laughs> dude. Well, throw well, that we, out there. We yeah. just, uh, just the, our last episode was for helpless. Yeah. And that's the episode in which, uh, Buffy unbeknownst to her is being drugged, injected with uh, an organic compound by Giles, her watcher, Mm -hmm. uh, to weaken her and reduce her to like a normal 18 year old girl state for like every Slayer for if they get to the age of 18, they have to be like reduced to this state and then like locked in uh, a sealed building with a vampire and they have to like defeat the vampire with just their wits. Uh, or and, die. And, and right. the, the through line of that episode is that Giles is like, this is fucked up and winds up getting fired. I mean, as you know from the previous. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We all know. We all know. But yeah. So it's <laughs> like, like that has Giles... just been super highlighted. Right. Okay. Or is it the a... council? You know, is the council is kind of at the helm. But yeah. also Giles is the one that's pulling in more than just Buffy or allowing more than just Buffy to, right, right. to, to fight these battles. So. But also it's a war against evil. So... <laughs> Probably every set of hands is. I think no matter who's fighting a war, they think they're fighting against oh, evil. Right. Mm. Just saying. Gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was just one of those things where I was like, 
Oh man, I know that's the like the conceit of the show turns on ignoring that, but <laughs> Jesus, that's dark. Yeah, I think the conceit of the show turns on ignoring a few things. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, we yeah. pull out here and there. <laughs> right. yes, Anyhow, we'll see more and more of them. Yeah, and we can we can talk more about um you know the faith the faith and uh, Xander situation when we get there. But I just mm-hmm. wanted to like call it out as a macro thing of like. What is and and what I was going to say, too, is we talked again a little bit about this before the episode, but a lot of people have written into us to be like, well, you know, Joss wrote Xander as sort of a proxy. I think that what's interesting about looking at the episode is that is some of this like what he wanted to express about his own journey? And is that why it feels a little like, wait, what is happening? Well, I think the thing is, even if you can even kind of take like Joss Whedon personally out of this and just think about like the, again, the class of like often white straight male, like comedy writers or whatever these people were like, you know, writers, Hollywood Mm -hmm. writers, screenwriters, TV writers, especially at the time. I think the, the darker thing is, and that's the thing I think you're hitting up with these people that, you know, have an issue with the way uh, the two of you talk about Xander in general, which is like, it was a different time. He absolutely is a proxy for the way the writers feel. Because mm-hmm. again, very confident in saying most of the writers, yes. like dudes, whatever. this mm-hmm. And that type of dude. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that clearly has happened in the last 20 years is that kind of dude turned out to be a billion times more toxic than we realized. Right. Mm-hmm. Like part of the reason this is the darkest take on this, I think, or like one of the darkest takes is that like, this is like kind of insidious and it's part of a pattern of these guys who feel powerless, but aren't powerless mm. and almost sort of sanitizing. Like if you consider Xander as let's be real, like a proto redditor, you know, <laughs> like it's this thing where he and you see it other times in the series where he kind of like be, he he goes all the way and does all these things for the wrong reason, but it does the right thing at the very end. Yeah. And part of the thing I think we're seeing in 2017 or, you know, whatever, to you know, in, in the 2010s is that like he is this might be a fiction that a bunch of really shitty but not the shittiest dudes on earth have told themselves to allow themselves to get away with a bunch of terrible shit. What I wrote down when we were watching it was like, he deals with his feelings of powerlessness in like a sanitized way. And in the real world, like that version of Xander is a dude that deals with his powerlessness by buying guns or roofies or like whatever. Mm -hmm. Like it's just like, and that's sort of why I, the maybe what I feel the discrepancy you see between how people react to how you talk about a character who is redeemed in every episode mm. because or like at least sanitized in every episode mm-hmm. for his actions and you're not really talking to that person when you say fuck Xander you're talking to the real life version of Xander who again some of those people are the literal worst people on earth right now right so I don't know. That that's to mm-hmm. me. If anyone is writing in with problems about how this show talks about Xander, I think it's important to realize that it's a different fucking lens and like that that dude, yeah, okay, he's like a nice guy 
at the end most of the time of Buffy episodes, but that doesn't mean he's a nice dude on Earth. Right, yeah. right. And like the path can lead to many places. And certainly I think we have a lot of room and hope that like the path can lead to a place where uh, the, the character of Xander be, learn, like chooses to become more informed and chooses to listen more than they speak and, you know, makes these kinds of decisions to take the path to being somebody who's bringing good into the world. But uh, that is not the common thing that happens. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, not not everybody takes the worst path, but like you said, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it is it is all the same path. It's just yeah. some people get off at different stops. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> da, da, da. Welcome to 2018. <laughs> this is our first episode of 2018. So. Uh, yeah. yeah. I figured I choked on the, the oh, 20th no, the date, no, 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 but no. we'll figure it out. No, we'll please, it's fine. fine. Uh, okay, so, so so let's get back into the the episode. Jenny, yeah, Jenny yeah, yeah. Like, um, yeah. I'm primed. I'm back ready. Back on track. Yeah. Back on track. <laughs> well, it's just I'm very excited because we've just rolled up upon uh, what I feel is the first contender for the sexual attention award. Oh, there's only one in my mind. Mm-hmm. Well, I think all my roads lead to your destination. Yeah. I well, think. I'm between two. But oh, okay. But it but they're kind of the same. But it, <laughs> go ahead. Great, go ahead. Go ahead. So. Uh, Throughout the course of the episode, Xander is consistently trying to get out, like get pulled out of the situation he's been pulled into by all of the other Scoobies who are running around doing stuff right. and being like, stay out of harm's way. <laughs> Speaking of harm's way. Uh, my second favorite occurrence of this is uh, when he runs into Angel at the bronze and Angel says to Xander when Xander asks if he needs help, Angel says, it's best if you uh, stay out of harm's way. Oh. Harkening back to many a meaningful uh, gaze into one another's eyes. Remember the flowers at the hospital? I do. Xander and back Angel have two. a, a, a long and storied history. Yes. And this is just another chapter. Angel really cares about Xander's well-being. That's very sweet. But they're not even close to the sexual tension awards that I have. I just think they're my a tributary really? in the steam. In yeah. the stream. Did you did you have any contenders as you watched for sexual tension? Well, I feel like they hit the homoeroticism so hard with who's the bad guy? Oh, Tool. Jack O'Toole. Jack O'Toole. We haven't even right. talked about yeah, Jack yeah. O'Toole. Um, in a way that it, it's so hard to think about the 90s because you're like, well, they probably... Who knows? I guess who yeah, knows what did, they meant. They probably did they didn't know? mean it, but yeah. like, how could they have not meant it? Right. Yeah, that's what. So all my, the like caressing of Xander's face with oh, Katie yeah. the knife. And like, knife. Yeah, I mean, there's there were many quotes that I have written down, though I'll not find them in time. But oh yeah, where do you want it? You know, oh, like there's a yeah. lot of things. There's a lot of. So, but I mean, I think the darkest version of that is like they again just guessing at the room and like. I just feel like, and especially at the time, in fact, like homosexuality is a punchline a couple times in the episode. So it is just like, well, that's the joke. Yeah. Do you think that's like in the writer's room, like that's as far as the joke went was they were like, no homo. Yeah. I mean, we hear literally like Xander gives us a verbatim no homo um, at one point in the episode. Right. That feels like, like. But uh, maybe I'm giving too much credit where credit is not due. But I, I did feel that like since one of the biggest through lines of the episode was like a toxic masculinity, Mm -hmm. that there had to be some awareness of the fact that this like toxic masculinity is sort of interwoven with uh, the idea that you can never sexually desire another man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you must 
you know, leap across a field and slam your chests together and uh-huh, like, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Do these things oh. that that um, help you bond with another man, but uh, but be very clear that what you mean is not sexual in any nature. Okay, what about this idea, which probably, again, if you go into the, the probable heads of the writers, which is they're a bunch of like, quote unquote nerdy smart guys who are like yes. you know who's really gay jocks like frat boys are <laughs> yeah, really yeah. gay and, but it's still like a gay joke right. like at the end but that's pr- 90s progressive right. i'm right. almost right. like right. you know right. what i mean right. you're like eh, totally. totally maybe that's where that came out it's yeah cuz it's it wow so you you're suggesting that maybe we give the sexual tension award to the writers room Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Can we? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I was, before we had this enlightening conversation, uh, I was going to, I was torn between Jack O'Toole and all men or mm-hmm. just all, all men. men. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to, yes, I guess, all men. I guess yeah, all yeah. men would encapsulate both Including the writer's would room. Include the, mm-hmm. ri- <laughs> include the writer's room. Again, so, we're just guessing, or I'm just guessing. Yeah, we yeah, didn't yeah. Look it up. So maybe, so maybe we go, well, uh, Jenny, do you want to play the jingle? Okay, so the winner, all men, including the writer's room of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm going to go with especially, but yeah. yeah especially. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> men. There's just something else you have. So all men, please check your mailboxes for the Sexual the Tension Award. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's on, on the way. Yes, it's a, it's a really hefty order for the, for the Sexual Tension Award. This yeah. week. <laughs> so like, how about, speaking of awards, uh... Jack O'Toole for the most impassioned spell casting we have seen. That I, if I was dead yes. and he did that above my grave, I would have been rocketing up. And he mm-hmm. shall arise. It, his, really great. His vocal, his intonation of the spell, I thought was really solid. His uh, waggling his hands. I liked it. Uh, yeah, I was sprinkling say the, the, the blood blocking splutter. on the blood was a little weird. For That's, me. I thought it was funny. I was. I like, think it might have been the first time he throws his he, after he cuts his hand. There's a little like. Yeah, this angle's not right. Yeah. He's just a little off. Yeah. <laughs> also, we we learned that he's been taping Walk- Walker, Texas Ranger. For his buddy Bob. For his Did either of you watch Walker, Texas Ranger no, ever for any reason? I definitely have seen it before. Chuck Norris, right? Yes, yeah. Chuck Norris. It's just that in the 90s, there were only like, I mean, for me, yeah. there were only like five channels of television because we didn't yeah. have cable. And so there were only like, so many shows to choose from and sometimes you're just like a 10 year old girl watching Walker Texas Ranger for- dreaming about your Lamborghini dreaming about your Lamborghini of course great, uh, great a fun great. fact about Bob is this actor uh, Michael Cudlitz I believe is how you pronounce his name he plays zombie Bob he is uh, he plays a character on The Walking Dead where he now fights zombies and he's got what the experience you need i guess yeah he, he know he knows it from the inside mm-hmm. full circle career career for michael cudlitz it's real for him when he's killing zombies now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's his blood y'all <laughs> so jack o'toole oh yes oh yeah i mean that right was going back to the like the writer's thinking they're talking about toxic masculinity by saying people who they perceive as more masculine than them are gay came yeah. up with Jack O'Toole. Jack right. O'Toole. O'Toole. <laughs> Great. Enough 
So that's case closed on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I I feel confident on that one. Yeah, I actually, one of my notes on this was also that I think this is the episode where we have combined the patriarchy and the sexual tension award jingle the most. You know, like (laughs) like they they exist together almost. Yeah, yeah. That Venn diagram is just a circle. Right. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta. And I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. And you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, something that, that we skipped over, which is like not important to the plot at all, but it's just something that tickles me so very much, is back in the library when um, Giles finds out that they've eaten all of his jelly donuts. Mm-hmm. I and just, he's so bummed. He's so sad. And then Willow's like, Buffy had three. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing her just like right under the jelly donut bus. Gosh, remember being a teenager and eating three donuts? Maybe. Yeah, but Buffy, I mean, Buffy is the Slayer. She's got Slayer metabolism. But also, Also, Andrew noticed uh, while we were watching in this scene, the the same library scene with the jelly donuts, that Buffy's cross is sideways in this scene. Right. Was that an accident? No, it looks like that's how the necklace is made. Yeah, right? That's a hell of a statement for (laughs) late 90s Eddie television. Wow, yeah. I think it just probably flew over everybody. They were just like, look, we can, if we put the holes on these sides of the cross, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Because she has like about 7,000 cross necklaces that we've seen up to this point. Every variety. I think, and they've all been vertical. I think the whole crew of the show was told, like, if you're ever out and you see a cross necklace, grab it. Yeah, yeah, just get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) We'll reimburse you. I mean, sure, we're. Half Satanism on this one, but you know, who cares? It's right, right. Half, half, half Satanism. Satanism. <laughs> so, uh, like, Giles goes to the cemetery, and it's very exciting to see in its first on screen appearance ever the television debut of the Glow Cloud from Welcome to Night Vale. Oh, uh, the sentient glowing cloud that. Uh, <laughs> Gives orders and collects yes. uh, minions and yeah. This, and this is like 
I, I don't know. Maybe every time they go dramatic with these scenes, it just gets me. But this the one wind. might win, uh, right? Like him, oh. like so of course they're both speaking in Latin. The glow cloud oh, and yeah. child. Such noticeable filmmaking, like the low <laughs> angle, like moving the dolly shot. It's so like, yes, this is a thing. Yeah, yeah, they're going. <laughs> that was where hard. I was like, oh, they right. It is nominally. I mean, it's easy for me to forget that like it's like a horror thing. So, like, they use all those things. Right, but they're, I mean, the way that they've done them in this episode is not anything like, yeah, yeah, they're done in in at least this much, you know, they really knock it over the head. Um, I'm going to guess the number of times on that that particular set, they said (laughs) Raimi-esque 10 times. (laughs) That's the over-under for me. Is to the director is just like, well, it's very Ramey asking in a lot of ways. <laughs> who was who was the director of this one? Uh that would be James Whitmore Jr., of James course. James Whitmore Jr. Probably a huge Sam Raimi fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh then we go to Willie's, right? Willie's bar. Poor Willie. Yeah, Willie has gotten beat up. His bar mm-hmm. is a wreck. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he's there really to just tell us how horrible these demons are. They're the worst. Right, right. They just never seem that bad. I'm just gonna say. Everybody is telling us they're horrible. These demons don't seem that bad to me. Just... You just don't think they're that bad because they're female. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's my mm-hmm. internal if... sexism. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're they're only as tough as a girl could be. These <laughs> these crazy demons. I just want to point out that when we see Xander uh, appeal to Willow, trying to get her to like need him or even tell yes. him what's going on. Yes, when we see the magic shop yes. in the background. We find out that right now, under its current management, it's called Uncle Bob's Magic Cabinet. Yes. Not only that. Okay, because right, I wrote that down. I didn't see the uncle. I, I just wrote down Bob's Magic <laughs> Cabinet, and I knew there was another word that it's I missed. It's your damn uncle. But do you, did you hear, did either of you hear what she says to him as Sorry to wake you. Sorry to wake rap, 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 you. Rap, 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 rap. So Willow, what time of night is it at Willow this point? Willow has the home phone number for Uncle Bob. Or she runs... just knocked on the door until Uncle oh, Bob came to the door. Oh, and he lives like above the magic shop. Oh, probably. Shop. I guess that's Uncle that, Bob, that, absolutely. That would make sense. But yeah, I, I noticed I noticed that as well. Uh, this is also the scene where we learn that everyone is dead, including Jack O'Toole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the way you get initiated into this group is yeah. by he's dead by you know revealing his abs and then showing him his holes. Yeah, also <laughs> yeah. some inconsistency. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's just so on the nose. As soon as yeah. they brought it up, I'm like, right, uh, right, 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 right. Also, and oh, you got a problem with dead people? <laughs> oh my god. Oh, right. this is where I made a note, which is like. Uh, and we, I don't think we've gotten to talk about the gang quite enough yet, but the gang yeah. is like classic, like toxic masculine bros mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, to serve in contrast with Xander. So it's like Xander's one of the good ones, maybe grading on a curve, I guess. Um, but <laughs> I, I did write down, like, you got a problem with the dead is like this thing where like, no matter how privileged you are, you always think there's some fucking thing that is unfair, like a prejudice against you. And I'm just like, it is a little, I'm glad they put that in, but I don't think that landed as a message. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but so, yeah. But yeah, because that's like, well, I'm dead. Uh, right. Yeah, I don't think it was like intended yeah. as a message. But, but we, a good one. If we're we can, here to we can pull out, If we can pull out more messages, I'm right. all for it. Uh, but right, I mean, I mean, that's, that's Xander in sort yeah. of a nutshell is... But poor, like poor me. 
uh, but I, I'm, I suffer or no, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everyone, no matter, yeah. everyone has some kind of. There's also, I mean, I guess, like not on this show, obviously, but there is something of like, it's it would be kind of tired, but yeah, like, what is everyone's problem with demons and the undead? Really, great <laughs> question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's have a conversation. <laughs> well, I mean, in in this context, right? Uh, there's just a lot of killing going on. Yeah. But on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> Great point. Yeah. <laughs> like, again, there's very little remorse for running over that lady with a car. And it is just like, yo, that's not good for you to, on either side. <laughs> for your soul or yeah, your Yeah, it's bones. pretty bad for you to be the kind of person who can just casually run someone over with right, a car. Right, right. Yeah, but the line is so is drawn so... Um, well, the line is drawn simply in some cases on the show with demons, and I mean that you know where, yeah. it's, where it's not simple, it's fucking not simple. Yeah. But yeah, if you're if you're a bad demon, then there's no question you die. I have a question. Yes, is there anything better than Faithful Hane undislocating her own no. shoulder? <laughs> no. <laughs> this is listen. I don't know what anybody else has to say about this fucking scene, but that open is one of my favorite fucking moments of all time like just she's like come up to my room hold me (laughs) whoever did the sound effects kudos to you amazing (laughs) great fantastic shoulder crunching sound effects here i'm gonna go with celery snapped in front of a mic real close we should try let's later we'll try it yeah 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 see how it sounds celery Mm -hmm. yes But yeah, I just, I don't know. I love this scene, but I don't like that Faith, I don't like that Faith and Xander sleep together. I, I would prefer to be the one sleeping with Faith mm-hmm. or Buffy. Almost um, anyone, anyone before, really, mm-hmm. before Xander. But um, I do love the, I do love this flip. Like, I know we've called out other flips as like, okay, but you could have got, but I just love that like Xander's losing his virginity, that Faith is the one in power, that Faith doesn't give a fuck, that mm-hmm. she's like, her yeah, foreplay yeah. is literally rocketing her shoulder, her bones <laughs> yeah. back together again. And then, and then the scene ends with her being like, goodbye. You gotta go. <laughs> that was get the fuck out. Great. See I got ya. a shower. Then it is 99. So, you know. These messages, I think, were important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like there's yeah. two ways about it, though. Because, yeah. Or here's here's the version, though, where it's like, again, the scene is not wrong. It's good. But that scene is used by people like, again, let's call them Reddit people, to say stuff <laughs> like, well, there's no such thing as sexism. Mm-hmm. Or like sexism is over because <laughs> of things like this. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like, but you know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, it. Uh, well, you're wrong and you're an idiot. It's a bummer because it's like that. And it's not about the scene. It's about mm-hmm. the conversation and yeah. the way that like white dudes especially have like turned a culture of victimhood into this. But it is like one of those things where when you watch it now, you're like, oh, I can just see people being like, see, <laughs> you know. Why can't like I wouldn't mind that like you know uh, like or whatever God. like I like heard that in all of my bones you know yeah yeah so it's like this thing where it's like or like see like women or men can be taken advantage of you know just sexually like just women. like women and it's mm-hmm. like uh. yes I mean this like uh, not to not to keep bringing it back to like the Xander Cordelia conversation because Cordelia is really isn't a big part of this episode but so much of what we've been trying to like tease out is exactly what you're now pulling out of this scene is like 
Yes. Um, sometimes men say to women, get out of my room now that we have had sex. And yes, sometimes that happens in the reverse, but they are not the same thing. They do not undo the power dynamic. That is, you know what I yeah. mean? That like, right, 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 they right. are different things despite the actions. You know, if you had one script and you just switched the gender of who was reading the roles, like same, same thing not the same thing yeah well but also in this we're in a fictional world where really two women that we've seen so far are basically not afraid of sexual assault but that doesn't change things for all women (laughs) and that is like it's a hard part of the like the fiction of it is that these women and are so powerful that that's like and you know not that it's not you know a part of what they can be vulnerable to but you know what i mean like right like they're they're less physically yeah they're very physically yes so so yeah i don't know it's like a thing where it's like yeah motherfucker like this is not this is not real Mm -hmm. and so like this the the other version the much more common version of this is much more harmful and that's to me a thing where it's like i don't know how this could possibly have played, but a room full of men coming up with this still kind of rubs me the wrong way. Cause yeah. I'm like, this still feels like an excuse or like this still feels like mm. th- that's the, 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 the version, the most troubling version of this is like using something like Buffy, the vampire slayer again, where like, you know, the whole point is like reversing roles. But then when you like take it further, yeah. Then you say some things though, that are like, eh, yeah, kind of, I don't yeah. know. And then potentially kind of victim blamey too. I don't know. Yeah. Ugh. Sorry. I'm taking it to a bad place. <laughs> no. I mean, it's 2018. We're ready to start this conversation in the new year. <laughs> yes. We didn't yeah. talk about it at all in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. So these two have sex. The music is great. And then. And then. Yeah. Oh, my God. The music. Right. The music the, is the, really the, something. like the, the wide shot of the TV reflection. Scene, it's just like, what is this? Right? Like, this is incredible. It's, like, it's almost like they had to rein it back from just being like, bound chicka, like you know yeah. what I mean? It's just so on, yeah, the head. Uh, searing, searing music, searing visuals. Yeah, just incredible. Yeah. Uh, and then, so what? I love this line that Xander, or this moment that Xander has right after he sleeps with Faith. He's like down in the car, and he like pulls out the kerosene, and he looks like almost to the camera, <laughs> oh, yeah. and he's like, hey. They're not baking cake. <laughs> yeah. Just like really executed very well. Yeah, that's Got a good laugh fun. from the room. <laughs> uh, and and then and then we come to my favorite, my very very favorite yes. scene of Xander with other Scoobies while on his own separate ad- adventure, but uh, coming uh, into contact with them periodically and briefly. Where fucking Angel and Buffy are like. Like sand through the hourglass. <laughs> These are the days of our lives. And fucking the theme, their theme, uh, Close Your Eyes is playing. It's all like da 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 da. And Buffy's like, I can't let you get hurt. And Angel's like, I can't let you get hurt. And Buffy's like, I had to watch you die. And all of this shit. And then Xander's just like, <clears throat> cut all the music. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's clear as soon as he hems that he's like, this is, I shouldn't, I really shouldn't have done this to begin with. But I feel like 
He was already there reading the room. Obviously, it's just there oh, for our like, enjoyment. Haven't you had a moment like that where you like think you're gonna, yeah. and then you're like, oh, it's too late. <laughs> yeah, now. yeah, 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 yeah. I've already you done can't it. unring that bell. Yeah, but just. Just great. And just, this is, again, like another thing that really underlines the Xander perspective because like we're seeing like this is what it looks like to him. I mean, right. let's be real. Right. This is kind of what it looks like to us when we look in. on. I would say this is amped too. up by like 25%. Yeah. <laughs> 25% so more fun. dramatic. So much fun. Than uh, when it's not from Xander's POV. So and then Xander, this is this is the this is the thing that I was talking about where Xander has uh, sleeps with Faith and then suddenly is like, I'm taking matters into my own hands. Right. And and does a great job in this. Yeah, here's the thing. Xander has like a real journey and like growth and yeah. like does good things and is self-sufficient and proactive. And he also like doesn't feel the need to like tell anybody. Like at the end of the episode, yes. after he's like done all of this shit, he's not like, hey guys, this crazy shit happened to me. He's like, anybody need a snack? He's like still his role. Like he's still fulfilling his role, which... At the end of the episode, are we supposed to feel like, because I kind of feel like, oh, he's still fulfilling his role, which is both snack guy and also the, um, I don't have any powers, but I'm like in this fight too. And I'm like just here to back everybody up. And he's like the beating, the human beating heart of the otherwise yeah. amped up superhero well, and, group. Right. And I think that's. I but think, like, why do we, ha- why does his strength uh, gaining pivot point yeah. have to and be. And I'm so mad at the, like I'm mad at the writers for this. Yeah. You know, you all, a lot of times you say like, oh, you blame it on the writers for Cordelia, but not for Xander. Well, this time I do for yeah. Xander. Like I, I, because I, I do think that what you said is true. Like it's, you see Xander for the first time, be able to have some like inner confidence. And it would have been really fucking nice for us to see the fact that he got that. Cause I don't think he got that from sleeping no. with Faith. Yeah. I think he got that from the whole journey that he's yeah, been on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it like just it just yeah. throws it. That the that moment happens. is not good. I mean, if you were I feel like if if like we were writing it today, it would be I mean, there'd need to be some more layers, but it would be like him not sleeping with Faith. Yeah. Actively saying, like, mm. this is a thing that I want, but it's not right for whatever X or Y reason. Right. right. And having actually taking a proactive step. It's really like I like the scene for its camp. I really did not like it for the story. Yes. The story point was just like, no, that's wrong. That's actually just incorrect. Yeah, you did it 100%. wrong. Yeah. And it just takes, I think it takes a little bit away from um, what, what I think is Xander's best episode by, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, a landslide in the series. So I want to just take it back uh, for a couple clicks because we go, so we go to the school, right? He gets the zombie, knocks the zombie's head off. There's like all Mm -hmm. these like fun campy things happening where he's talking too much. And so he keeps missing these moments and on (laughs) and on and on. But we get to the school and something happens. There's like a lot of back and forth with the world is ending, but also the bomb is ticking. And in the library, when the world is ending, now the three-headed demon, we've seen this before. It's like, everybody's like, what's going to happen when the hell mouth opens? Like, we know. We've literally seen it mm-hmm. open before. A three-headed snake comes out of it. Right, 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 but right. Giles says, and I just didn't want to miss this, my God, it's grown. <laughs> so I just want to like put a pin in that and yeah. say like, we started the what? At the end of season one? Mm-hmm. So apparently this demon is growing underground it's Actively. like a kid was a kitten when we saw it right right now one. it's a teen cat teen cat like what what is going to happen down there so the only thing that i have left before we get to the end of the episode is um the scene between jack and xander who i called zach accidentally which i guess <laughs> now they've been given their own ship name uh-huh. uh but that um xander has this 
good moment, I mm-hmm. guess. We're, you know, we're calling it back around to the top where who has more fear and Xander has less fear now than he had before and Jack has more fear and whatever. But then Xander leaves Jack to go like no yeah you know what i mean and like <laughs> thankfully oz is there as the werewolf to kill right, this guy right but i was like ah, they, you know you did a great job man but then he's like okay good luck to you don't come back to this school yeah, anymore yeah. three yeah. zombies is my limit for the day so <laughs> i did kind of think he was just gonna plug the bomb back in once Xander walked off screen well, he was gonna what <laughs> he yeah, was gonna right? plug the bomb back in once Xander oh, left right. which would have been a very funny tag and then <laughs> yeah. to have either the rest of the gang or Oz just take care of it but like I was like that would have been a funnier beat but not the right story but a funnier beat right the series would have ended that would have been it would have been over but right it was just like (laughs) come on man tie up your loose ends I really like I mean central pivot point issues aside I really like the scene I think Xander does a great job the bomb disarm yeah 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 yeah. the whole scene like I'm I'm feeling it and like I feel like you know, the the question that Xander raises for himself earliest in the episode is like, what's my thing? And like, I think what we see is not giving like, a forgive fuck. this sentence. <laughs> Xander finds his thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not not giving a fuck, but I feel like it's just it's just sort of like because like it's apparent from his face as soon as it's over that he's like, wow, I don't ever want to have to do that again. Mm. That like turned me inside out. But like just sort of like mm, persevering, trying, yeah. you know, like and being part of something. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, and working behind the scenes when that's where he yeah. ends up. So, okay, you just gave me this thought that like we've already talked about, but that I think is actually hit over the head at the end of the episode. So we were talking about like people who write in and they feel personally uh, uh, offended when we talk about Xander and Xander's issues. They feel like they have to be the ones to stand up and say like, but I'm not that person. And I feel like Xander himself in this fucking episode actually gets to a place where he would not Xander. You know what I mean? Like he, uh. like he's forever been the guy who's like, but guys, I did this thing. But guys, I did this thing. Like I, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he gets to the fucking end of this episode and he's like, you know what? Like I'm confident enough in the fact that I did the things that I needed to do. Mm-hmm. I don't need the like uh, accolades from other people. I don't uh. need their belief in me to move forward. So like maybe all of the people who are feeling offended should take a lesson from Xander. At yeah. The end of the damn episode. Just be cool. Can I? Can I... <laughs> <laughs> this is this is applying a much this is not what the writers intended mm-hmm. but it's kind of what's a little bit a, a, a version that's on screen and this is a very like 20 years later retrospective you know analysis of this but there is a part w- during the bomb dis- dis- like bomb diffusing scene that where it's too complex to actually write this way so I know this is not what was intended but it is like a thing where he kind of signed on to a different type of toxic masculinity. Like, mm. he becomes Clint Eastwood, like Dirty mm. Harry for a second, right? Right, right, Like, right. he reaches there. But it, that's kind of not exactly earned. And it would be nicer if at the end of that, the relief you see is, like, that was a bluff. And I just thought I could talk to this fucking asshole in these terms. Right. But I, that's not me either, and I've learned. That's not probably what happened, but that would be a good... Like, yeah. I would love for a character to grow in that way. Yeah. But... It just doesn't feel like exactly what happened because it's basically like Clint Eastwood versus Biff Tannen or Donald <laughs> Trump. You know what I mean? Yeah. And but then <laughs> obviously we've learned since then that those men are the same men. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. You know, so it's not as 
that that's an analysis I don't think they would have had, had access to in in 1999. Right, but I whatever. guess you don't you don't normally get the at least when you're ha- when you have the Clint Eastwood character, you don't normally get uh a re- like you don't see that they were scared generally. Mm-hmm. I don't think I I really right. shouldn't talk. Well, but, that, but but that's what I'm saying is like he's taking on the Clint Eastwood to do the showdown. Yes, but I think the thing is at that time on a very general level, we were all like. You know what? We might not agree with everything, but a man like a Clint Eastwood, that's a decent man, you know, a steely right, good man. Right. And now now we've learned like what we've learned about people like Xander, the kind of like repressed steely anger boys mm-hmm. are also not good men. Yes. They're bad yes. men. So They're all bad men. <laughs> yeah. But they all think they're good men. It's that's the problem. It's uh. like a so may I? Yes, please. I, so you have I a did, question. I had a question, and it was only through this uh, watching this in this situation. But I think, do you two think if there was a way to completely rewrite, remake the show, mm. that Xander is a necessary character? Mm. Xander, I think a character that has some of Xander's attributes is necessary. Yeah. I think that a, a character who is the everyman, um, which I would love to have a non-gendered term, yeah. every person, an every person. Sure, I I do love the idea of the every person. I also think that if the show had examined more of what we get a little bit of it, right. like a little bit of it was Xander, but I think that if it had pushed the examination further, because mm-hmm. when people write to us and they're like, "But he's just a teenage boy," it's like, okay, so there's something there. And I think that if that had been unpacked more, like, what do you mean he's just a teenage boy? What's there and what's going on? That I would be signed up for Xander 100%. It's just that I don't think that there's enough examination there. But as a, a, you know, people call him like the heart, right? The Mm -hmm, heart mm -hmm. of the Scoobies and the one that doesn't have power but has like bravery and, uh, you know. But that's, this is what I would throw out. Yeah. I feel like season one Willow alone like because it's just like then it's just like quips same t- same style of self-deprecating quips right and same like wide-eyed like what like I, to me i'm like as the show was conceived they were like well we can't not have a teenage boy mm. and that is i i would say maybe but maybe not but in in 2018 you wouldn't need that yeah i feel like it's difficult to think about, you know, are we talking about like if Buffy was was made now? Right. Like mm-hmm. Buffy wouldn't be made now the way that it's made. No, if Buffy was right? made now, I have a feeling that it would be the main characters would all be women right now. Yeah. In 2017, 20, you know what I mean? Like 2018. Right, 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 right. Right. And and like it was would it have been possible for a show to be made in 1997 that didn't have a Xander in it, like, w- like I, I just feel like um, something has to fill that slot. I yeah. think that's. A, I agree with you, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, right? I was just. I have, a, I have a lot of issue with Xander. It's a really. I mean, would it would have always been a time to mm-hmm. watch this show and say like, oh, who is Xander and what is he? What are like guys like Xander in, like in the world? But like, mm-hmm. this is a very specific fucking time mm-hmm. to be watching this and discussing it and you mm-hmm. know and having these kind of conversations because we're in the middle of certainly in my lifetime or at least my um lifetime as a person who is aware the biggest conversation that 
takes men to task for not only like physical assault, but also mm-hmm. these like more I, I hesitate to call them micro anything because they're not they're not micro, but right. like these things that aren't, you know, uh, fileable at a police station, mm-hmm. but that are equally as fucked up and that lead on these paths to right m- much worse. So it just, you know, I, I'm a person that maybe forgives too much and and mm-hmm. or I don't know. That's a self-assessment that might be incorrect, but I'm very sensitive and I'm very I have a lot of openness to that I do have too much of. You know, I I've, I've I have a relationship with my extended family with like sexuality and they've just been like, you know, don't come to my wedding, don't whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like for years like I understand and I understand that your you know, your place in the world is different than mine. So that's kind of my lens and so I have a hard time just saying like, you know what? Xander's just an asshole and that's the end of it because mm-hmm. I, I I do like Xander parts of Z- I do like parts of Xander and mm-hmm. I I don't know I just have this hope in my heart that you know more Xanders will not become well I just want to I just want to say one thing which is that I've been thinking a lot lately about what I was like in high school and what people I really mm. didn't like were like in high school and like how some people that I didn't like in high school have turned into like very different kinds of people. And and I think I'm a very, very different person mm-hmm. than I was in high school. Like I think about things that I did and I'm uh, like, wow, yeah. what a fucking asshole. <laughs> Who was that person? Good God. Yeah. I don't want to get buried in emails that are like, Xander's just a teen boy. That's mm-hmm. why it's totally fine for him to say slut shamey shit. But I do think there is, like, something to be said for growth, right? Like, there's – Xander's not the same as he was in in season one, and he's not the same that he will be in season seven. Mm -hmm. And If he's in season seven, who knows? Who can even say? (laughs) And and unfortunately, he is, like, the – up to this point, at least in the show, the the clearest sort of um, representative of um, that particular set of problematic behaviors, Mm -hmm. right? But, like, I'm hopeful, mm-hmm. having never seen the show before, mm-hmm. uh, that he will grow. And and I'm thankful that, like, I was able to grow. I wish I grew faster yeah, and was less of, of an asshole that. sooner. Yeah. Um, but, but also, uh, on the flip side of that coin is, it's really important, I think, for us to talk about the things that Xander does that are so problematic and to call them out as we see them and to pick them apart and think about where they might come from and where they might lead. Because that's how people grow, right? Yeah. And and uh, this Xander is already written, but there's a lot of other Xanders out there. And sure. if there are more people having conversations like these and becoming more aware of these things, then maybe there will be better Xanders in the world. Hell yeah! Oof, I hope so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm rose tinted glasses over here. I know. <laughs> I guess I would just also say though that it's like to me, you could, you could almost have the the person i just feel like the good parts of him like i'm so disinterested in seeing a fucking straight white guy right right. so to me i'm like if there's any way it's so inessential like his parts of the story are so inessential yeah i mean if i were to create the the show show, now the show now there would be a a xander character but it would not be a a straight white dude yeah i wouldn't even be a gay white i mean yeah (laughs) it just wouldn't be a white dude it would be yeah how can we get some more white people on the show yeah (laughs) yeah yeah there's there probably maybe would be like a couple less white people Mm -hmm. uh and certainly at least one less dude Mm -hmm. uh to play that role because i think yeah 
Yeah. Great question. Down with dudes. <laughs> exactly where everyone thought we would end this episode. Uh-huh. Oh, I know. I did a bad job of advocating for... <laughs> no, it's so brilliant. You know, we ha- we have a couple of friends who are dudes, just a couple, mm-hmm. uh, who when, when I speak with them, I wish that other people could hear our conversations because I feel like, you know, people listen to our podcast and we're two queer women. And mm-hmm. so you hear that through a certain lens. It's like, oh, well, of course they think this about Xander or of course they have these opinions. Like, even if I agree with them, like, of course they have them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to hear yeah, men yeah. talking about, like, it, you know? It's sad that that needs to be the case, but yeah. Right, because it's like, it doesn't make the shit you say any less wrong just because <laughs> you're women or queer or right. whatever. Like, it's just like, yeah, hey, that shit is correct. So maybe, <laughs> like, don't, don't worry about your own identities, Anders. Like, don't don't get all caught up in that. I don't. Ugh, okay, Just go on some podcasts and talk about how fucking you know you can make shit better and be cool. <laughs> Just trust me. Again, this is purely <laughs> self serving. You're you're a better person when you can internalize that. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, it will be better for you. Uh, Andrew, can you tell everybody where they can find more of you? Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, my podcast, and I have a blog called Yo Is This Racist. It's pretty findable. Um, and my own Twitter account uh, is slightly less that stuff only. Uh, Andrew T, last name is spelled T I, on Twitter, and I guess Instagram. I don't know if you want. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. dogs. <laughs> yes. Uh, and both of them are. I know it doesn't technically matter, but they are both all caps. Ah. You gotta you gotta put Andrew it in all caps. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. I don't know why. Amazing. Well, thank you for sitting and chatting thank with us. Thank you for about... having me. This yes. was so fun. Oh, the best. First episode of 2018. Wow. Yes, yeah. totally happening in 2018. <laughs> yeah. There's before. not a Christmas tree next to us right now. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> well, hey, I'm noted Jenny Owen Youngs, Jenny <laughs> Owen Youngs. And uh, when I'm not making this podcast, I make songs. You can hear some of them over at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering. And you can give me a holler on Twitter anytime at Jenny Owen Youngs. Yes, and you can find me over at kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Jenny just mouthed my initial, my initials, my the spelling of my name as I did it. Even she knows how to spell my name now. I was lip syncing your out. Oh, wow. Anyhow, you can find out more about my work with LGBTQ communities and their loved ones. Uh, You can also find that information at the specific sites that I run, everyoneisgay.com and mykidisgay.com. Also, Kristen Nolene, once you know how to spell it, you can really find me anywhere. Twitter, Instagram, that's everywhere, right? That's every single place I can think of. And in fact... Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, which I think is one more location mm. than you just listed. I'm Kristen Says on Facebook. I, I messed it up. Wow. I messed it up. Well, the podcast <laughs> is Buffering Cast on all of those sites, and you can always drop us an email at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. You sure can. And if you want to support the work that we're doing here, you can. You can go to iTunes and rate and review us. Rating and reviewing us over there helps people find the podcast. It makes our community bigger. It rules. You can also support us on our Patreon page, which is found over at bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on Patreon. You get really cool rewards. You can get the MP3s, including Chris Farron's wonderful award-winning uh, song <laughs> from today's episode in advance of the yeah. end of the season. I think that won the Jenny Owen Young's Buffering the Vampire Slayer song of 2018 award. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. The trophy's in the mail. Tro- trophy's in the mail for Chris. Great. Uh, you also get fun things like Buffy watches and admission into the secret buffering Facebook group, a place rife with information, gossip, and scandal. <laughs> Just kidding. It's the friendliest, <laughs> most sweetest place in the world. And there's a book club. There's a book club. At the $10 level, you also get a discount on all of our merch 20% all year round, which comes in handy for those of you, and there are many of you, who have every item that we sell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bless spe- you. Speaking of which, the, the third uh, way to support us is by going on over to our store. Just click on store over on our website uh, and purchase some of our wares. And that the proceeds from that also help us to keep on keeping on over yes. here in the land of buffering the vampire slayer. And that's it for us. Now's the time to howl out till next time. Uh, <laughs> that was so low. Got the bass. <laughs> Football, I can't cast a spell. I got no superpowers to date. I'll make the dollar run and try to bring the fun. That's how I'm pulling my weight. La, 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 la. Wonder what Bobby would say. La, 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 la. She knew what happened today. I accidentally fell in with some zombies who just want to bake up a cake. Giles, don't you need me? to pause it despite what the writers say i would have found my way with or without that incident Once upon a time, there was a girl who dreamed of flying through the stars, who dared to resist injustice, who lived to a beat and a rhythm that was all her own. Her name was Chloe, Frida, Oprah, Celia Cruz, Josephine, Greta, Ruth, Alice. One day, she wondered, could today be the beginning of something new? This was her one opportunity to do something, something big. So that's exactly what she did. Along the way, she discovered that she wasn't alone. Her body felt strong, her mind sharp. She was prepared to work as hard as it took. Her words were making a real change, and she felt powerful. 
I'm Gail King. I'm Andrea Day. I'm Diane Gibbons. I'm Lindsay Vaughn. I'm Jamila Jamal. I'm Anita Hill. I'm Brenda Chapman. I'm Alana Glazer. And this is Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio.